What is up, guys? And welcome to another episode of What a New Vision. Welcome to the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas, and joining me as always as well is Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, I mean, we have a lot to talk about today. And again, another great week of what's been going on in, in football and in the world of Paraguayan soccer. Obviously, we saw the league action come about. Uh, we saw the first few games start. We saw some Paraguayans in action, some of them scoring, some of them playing in in big matches. Uh, we will discuss that as well. And, and you know, guys, I, I think we should go into that. I mean, Fede, let's go to you first. I mean, how do you feel now with the with the start of the league? I mean, obviously, people are getting their predictions in. We got them last week. I mean, so far, there hasn't been any, there hasn't been many too much there hasn't too much there hasn't been too many surprises going on lately but uh it's it's been good so far i mean what have you been thinking of the of the start of the league act of the league so far hi roberto first of all yeah it's been kind of fun actually tight games fun games a lot of goals going on uh, i think the guys have started out well you know strikers uh mainly they're scoring a lot of goals so we have pretty fun matches but it wasn't a perfect week unfortunately it's never perfect here in Paraguay we have to do something wrong apparently uh you know we, we had a blackout in one of the games right before it was about to start I think that was Nacional in South America that was problem uh, that I think that was already on Tuesday and then we had Guaidenia versus Libertad the match that was supposed to be played on this Thursday and it was postponed because uh because Guaidenia didn't actually have their pitch ready uh it was actually very damaged it, it looked like a war zone seriously people can look up for pictures and and you'll find it uh pretty fast why daniel libertad uh it was not what we were expecting to find especially the players from libertad that were halfway to villarica a city kind of far away just a, a couple of hours from asuncion but you still have to make the trip and usually nowadays with covid and everything the the team is going to play away there uh makes the trip on the same day and libertad thought that they were going to play so they were making that trip and halfway there they were told that the pitch the ground was was not able to was not going to be able to to play there that it was not in good conditions and they were all surprised seriously they they went to villarica after all but you know these are details that that the kind of surprise everybody here in Paraguay, even though these are things that usually do happen here. We've had other uh, grounds that had this problem and it's actually not the only stadium that's actually gonna have problems now for the next matches. Uh, Wairenia uh, Stadium now has been, uh, this match has been postponed, but their stadium has also been closed down and so they can fix a couple of things. And it's not the only one, like I'm saying. Also, Tosa Octubre, who played against Olympia this week uh, after their first home game, they're also being told to, to change a couple of things, you know, and, and, and really weird things that, that go on here in Paraguay. Also, the stadium of River played here from Asuncion. So it's a weird situation, you know, because you have people that are supposed to do their job, that are supposed to go to these stadiums, that are supposed to look if everything's okay. And uh, apparently they haven't done their job uh, correctly or they didn't check these stadiums right before these matches and 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 now after they were played now, now we're being told by the fa that these stadiums cannot be used uh, for a while so that, that's the big news here we're obviously going to talk about 
the matches itself, we're going to talk a little bit about the results, what we're seeing, the new players that are actually coming up. We have young talent that, that we're seeing in these first couple of matches that we can probably stand out in a couple of teams and obviously talk about what happened in the club's World Cup of Almeida's failed to a fourth place. That was something I think most of us weren't expecting. Uh, obviously, Bayern Munich was champion. I think we were expecting that. We talked about it on the last episode. We're, we're probably going to talk about that and about Carlos Gonzalez, uh, everything he did with Tigres and everything he can do with our national team. But let's go to Florida. Let's say how do the guys are over there. Let me go to Maria. First of all, I think she left her mate out, out of this conversation today. I see her comfortable over there. How are you, Maria? Hey guys, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm super comfortable today. I'm not wearing a long sleeve. It's pretty hot here. <laughs> but yeah, there's so much to talk about this week again, uh, the start of the apertura and so much going on. You know, what's what's a Paraguay without some drama? And uh, like we, like Fede said, you know, the stadiums and all that situation is just pretty uh, embarrassing, uh, to be honest. But, you know, we'll get more into that uh, pretty soon enough. And uh, yeah, it's pretty sad too for Palmeiras, uh, what, what happened to them, but I guess our predictions were pretty off, especially mine, since I said, oh, you know, they could probably have a good uh, competition since they were uh, fresh off for the pitch and everything, but I guess not. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, um, Roberto just mentioned that Olympia does have some fresh new kids that they were uh, uh, um, they were released in honor of the their Dutch uh, founder. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen uh, Ralph's tweet about it. Um, it's pretty detailed and it's pretty awesome what they did and it's um, pretty different actually. Um, I think I will get into it uh, pretty soon when I can afford it. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I'm super pumped for this upcoming season and uh, all the dramas that we have going on. But what's going on, Ralph? I see you, my neighbor. <laughs> hey, Maria. Hey, guys. Yeah, it's good to be here. Definitely warmer, but I've still got some some mate just to kind of kind of keep me keep me up in this in these evenings. I like a little bit of mate. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, a full week of action, so much stuff. We had the games at the weekend to kick off the, the Apertura, and then we had all these midweek games, and then, you know, things kick off again on, on Saturday, and over the weekend, we got some good games coming up. I mean, Cerro, uh, the only team that's won both games so far, they're playing Libertad, who won their only game so far against, against Olympia, and they go head-to-head -head on Monday, so that, that should be a good game. Uh, and picking up from from what Fede said about the stadium, it was I was really surprised about about Guairenia. You know how did this get in such bad condition without playing a game? Because it was the first game of the season, and of course these get these stadia are they're all inspected by the FA. But what I what I read was that the FA had gone to inspect it on the second of January. And now the league kicks off, you know, we're, we're mid-February and there's been so much rain in Paraguay. I mean, so, I mean, some of us, some people must be listening from Paraguay and I'm sure they'll agree, but there's been so much rain in what is usually the rainy season in the country. But, but you know, even, even for this time of year, so maybe that did some damage to the pitch or something. But it's, it's really surprising that they would do this inspection, knowing everything that happens with all this rain and not think, Maybe we should go, you know, just before the actual season kicks off to check. Um, let's hope they can get it into 
into shape and then we can have some games there because that stadium stadium was used last year and it was you know it was great there were, it, it's always good to have games in the in the countryside one difficulty Guayrenia are going to have is another strange rule in Paraguayan football that the teams from the countryside are not allowed to switch stadiums to teams to Asuncion I think it's part of the idea of of this decentralization so technically Guarenia can't say, okay, let's just play our home game in Luque Stadium or in Defensores. They would usually go to the closest one in the, the still in officially the countryside, so it's not in Asunción Central, and that would be Dosi de Octubre Stadium in Itagua. But as Fede was saying, that stadium is also at the moment, um, it's also, you know, it's also closed down until they can fix a few things. So for Guarenia's next home match, it, you know, that could be a bit a bit complicated if they can't fix things and turn things around in time. So, so let's see. I mean, that was, that was definitely some of the, the drama yesterday and a disappointment for those of us that like Paraguayan football, because, you know, I was looking forward to watching, to watching that game to see how Libertad do after that, that first match. And then I had nothing to do on a Thursday night. So let's hope it all, it all gets fixed. Um, and yeah, I think you guys have covered well, all the topics we're going to, be picking up. I'm looking forward to talking about a couple of players that are doing well. Um, Olympia's new kit is very is very interesting. It's different. Um, I wonder how much they actually wear it because this is their third kit. It's not it's not their second one. We also saw Live Attack came with a very interesting red shirt, which um, I had never seen. That actually their sponsor Pool, which is a soft drink in Paraguay. Um, they, that was actually red too. So usually the, the sponsor doesn't change color with the kit, right? But this, it almost blended in. So it was very, very interesting uh, shirt from, from Libertad. Um, and yeah, yeah, looking forward to, to talking some more. I don't know what Roberto wants us to kick off with. Well, I would like to have this entire one hour discussion about how stylish, uh, aesthetically, the kits in Paraguay look like, because I think it will definitely uh, be much better than the drama that's been going on on the pitches in, in Paraguay. But yeah, I guess we'll start on with that. I mean, you know, it's it just feels weird how stuff like this could happen in Paraguay, in South America, literally you know, right at the beginning of the season. Like you would, like you said, Ralph, I mean, these guys haven't checked the stadium since January and, you know, they couldn't decide that, Hey, you know, there's been a lot of rain here lately. Maybe we kind of have to check it again just to make sure everything is, you know, pitch perfect in time for the, the start of the season. And you saw what happened in white Anya. So it's um, yeah, it just seems very lackluster in a way and just really incompetent on the end of those that are managing the stadiums and those that work there, like the groundsmen and women that work at those stadiums because they, they need to keep it in, in the best shape possible as well. You know, these are teams that are going to be playing in continental competition soon. So God forbid something like that is going to happen and you have to postpone a competition for in that type of games. It's like, no, you, you can't. So um, yeah, it's never a weird, never a, never an easy week in Paraguay, I should say. It doesn't yeah, always see good drama. Keep in mind, Roberto, keep in mind, Roberto, that most of these teams don't have other grounds to practice. They usually use their main stadiums as their practice base. That's actually, that's actually a problem. That's why most of the grounds are, are so damaged in some of the games. You see them that way. The smaller teams don't have other practicing grounds. That's a big deficit that we have in the Paraguayan football and so it's not really just about the people that take care of the place it's just that they overuse the place so when so when things like 
Ralph was saying it rained too much and you got people people stepping on that ground, people stepping on that grass. Then the, when the game day comes, the, 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 the ground is not ready. The, the ground is too damaged and then you got rain and, so, and you can't take it out of the ground. And that's what actually happened in Wairenia. They couldn't take care of the, of the place with the time that they had. And they should have realized this. They, they should have told the FA right before the match and, and try to change uh, try to change the stadium and play at another place. Now the match will be played the 24th in Asuncion in the Estadio Defensores de Chaco, the, the Stadium Defensores de Chaco, the biggest stadium in Paraguay besides the, the Stadium of Cerro Porteño. So, so that's the solution for now. But the reality is that clubs have the responsibility to keep their stadiums so that the games can be played. They're in conditions. They need to keep them in conditions. It's their responsibility. And Guadalajara, on this, they really fell this time. Well, yeah. uh, the other thing yeah. is that, you know, these clubs like Guadalajara, Dos Octubre, they're very small clubs. So they also don't have that much of a budget to probably take care of the stadiums. And like you said, they don't even have a facility to train. So. It's definitely something that the, that the FA should look into more and, and help them out if they need to. And now with, with, the, with the situation with COVID, I'm sure they were hit very hard as well. Um, so it's, you know, it's, a, it's a weird situation for, for everyone. Um, and, and now that the, the, the season has only 10 teams is also another, situa another weird situation because they have to play so soon and they don't have a stadium. And, you know, usually to fix this stadium, it should, it should take some time. But um, yeah, that's something else that, that to consider the fact that their budget is so small. And, and that as well, you could also think about how they're investing that money that they're getting. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's the one crucial part of it all is that, you know, you want to fix stuff like this, which should be commonplace. But of course, like you said, Maria, not all these teams have the luxury to afford a a great stadium or a great training facility and, and whatnot. I mean, you know, even to pay their players, even to pay their players, which we've seen a lot of clubs do that. So it's, it makes, it makes ends uh, very hard to make ends meet basically. Yeah. What I'd be concerned about now is looking ahead to the intermedia and the, the lower leagues that are going to start soon, because if, you know, this is a program with Primera teams, I can't imagine what some of the stadiums are looking like in, in intermedia and places where they haven't played since November 2019. And, <clears throat> and they haven't been receiving money because there was no league last year. There was no, you know, they well, they received some money from, uh, from the Paraguay FA to try and help them during COVID. But I don't think any of that would have gone into maintenance of, of stadium. They rely a lot on, on some of the games being televised in intermedia and then the, the fans going to the stadium, which is definitely the case of Guarenia. So I think I think what Maria said about the the COVID situation is a good point. They will have expected a lot more revenue from from fans going to that stadium, which of course they they didn't get. And then there, there's one interesting thing that Libertad, one of the you know one of the biggest clubs, probably the richest club in Paraguay, they have the advantage of being in Asuncion. They have a training ground right outside the stadium. They have another one by the air by the air base or the airport, I guess it is, up in Yuguasu. But then they often train on Comebol's own training pitch, which is just in front of the Comebol headquarters in Luque. So they're like spoiled for riches, let's say. And a lot of teams that are in, in and around Asuncion and, and Central, 
So my greater Asuncion have that advantage too, because actually the Paraguayan FA did put a lot of money into, into a place called New Wasu, where they, they built a lot of pitches. It was used a lot for the, for young players, you know, for the, for the youth teams and that kind of thing. But then you have the problem with someone like Guarenia, that's 150 kilometers away. So they can't take advantage of these, of these situations. On the flip side, it's very hard for the Paraguay NFA because how do you know which club in the countryside is going to get promoted which year? You know, where do you invest? Because maybe now they invest in Villarica, like a new training pitch, but maybe they get relegated and someone like Dos de Mayo, who's in the very north of the country in a, in a different city, get promoted. And then that's that money was kind of, you know, mis, misused in that case. So it's tough, I think, for, for everybody. Um but it is, but it is particularly difficult, I think, for those clubs in the in rural Paraguay because they don't have the same, the the same kind of amenities that the that the guys in the in Asuncion have. We we can make up all the excuses that we want, but the truth is that Wayrenio should lose this match. Uh, Libertad is not going up to the points, but the truth is, if you if you don't have your pitch ready, it's not raining at that moment. It, it rained two days before. That's why the pitch was that way. And they couldn't fix it by time. I think White Angels should lose this match. Uh, that's the reality of things, you know. But Paraguayan football is like that. If, if the team doesn't go after the points, if the jury doesn't do something about it by themselves, the, the, the points are not going to go to the team, and the match will be played on the 24th in Defensores de Chaco, like I said. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't look good for, for a league that's supposed to be eighth in the world, by, supposedly by FIFA. You know, this is not an organized football league. It doesn't look that way. We're just talking about the second match day. We're not talking in December. We're not talking that uh, on that on that ground. There were 60 matches already. No, we're just talking about the second match of the year. That's that's what I think it makes it shameful, like Maria said. It, it, it gives a bad reception, I think, for, for the entire country, for the continent, and even for the world, like you said, about being the eighth strongest league in the world, apparently. Um, such things should not occur uh, in a in a top division in South America but we'll see what happens so we'll, we'll stick out from all the drama that's been going up off the pitch and focusing on what's been going on the pitch and Fede you know we've been taught we've been seeing a lot of great young talents and I think it's interesting what this podcast has to offer because you know you always want you know people on Twitter on YouTube they always want to find the next big gems happening in South America they usually see it in Brazil Argentina Colombia where it may be Uruguay, but in Baraguay, you know, we, we have some young talents and thankfully we get the, the privilege of being able to see and speak about them every week. So what are some of the things that have impressed you and what are some of the youngsters that uh, have impressed you so far in these first two games? Well, we don't have that many young uh, players playing right now in the first uh, division, but you do find a couple and some that are actually even coming from last year, but they're still young players that I think can lead the country and, and make a big career on themselves. Uh, I was looking at that first match between Olympia and, and Libertad. You didn't find that many in, in Olympia. There were a couple of new players, but we talked, we talked about them like the Ramon Sosa. Uh, we talked about the, the players that were coming in from, from other countries. Also, uh, Olympia has a new Colombian. But, you know, what stands out to me from Libertad is in that midfield is, is Hugo Martinez. You know, Libertad won that first match versus Olympia, uh, being in a, the away team. 
uh, Olympia playing at home. Uh, they lost 1-0 to Libertad. And I love that first uh, half that I saw from Hugo Javier Martinez Cantero, this midfielder, uh, CM center midfielder, born in Santa Elena. He's just 20 years old. His debut goes back to 2018. He was promoted in Copa Paraguay, you know, this, this cup where usually the subs play it and, and not the, not the, the coaches usually don't use their starting lineup. They usually uh, mix it up a lot with young players and he had his chance back then uh, with 18 years with 18 years while he was looking uh, around him and seeing that Ivan Franco was playing that Julian Ciso was playing you know these are players from Libertad that also uh, are at the same uh, age range and so so he was looking at everybody playing around him and he wasn't getting that much playing time because of all the players that Libertad usually brings so I wanted to stand, stand him out he was promoted by the Colombian coach Lionel uh, Alvarez and he's just so such a complete midfielder, you know. He's not that big. He he, he probably doesn't stand out because of that, but he, he has such a good control with the ball, such a confidence. And I think he's just, you know, probably one of those players that you should probably look into in this in this uh, season because he was a starter in the first match. He's probably going to be starting in most of the matches because that's a place that even though Libertad has a lot of players. He, Garnero actually chose this guy with just 20 years and left a lot of other experienced players like Blas Cáceres that, that hasn't even been considered for these two first games. So I'm looking into Hugo Martinez, but I know Ralph and Maria probably have their own. So I want to hear what, what they're seeing and who stands out for them. Uh, like another midfielder, like like you were choosing, um, that plays in Luqueño. He's he's been in he's been in Primera for a while. Uh, Estivel Moreira. He he's just reached twenty one this year, and I think he's really starting to develop into into a very interesting player. He's he's playing at the moment in a in a two in central midfield. He plays alongside Aldo Vera, who's a much more experienced player. <clears throat> but what I like about Moreira is he's one of those kind of Box the box midfielders. He, he can do a bit of everything, I guess. I mean, he's he's very technical. You know, he's very gifted technically. He has a nice range of passing. Um, so when I watched him against Cerro Porteño, for example, uh, they were having to drop deep to try and defend against Cerro, who are a much stronger team, and they knew their best chance of attack was going to be a more direct play. So he was trying to play, you know, diagonal passes and and long balls and and try and help the team that way. Um, but he can also play short and, and try and link up and, and bring players in. Um, I say he's a box to box. He's not the kind of, he's not an attacking midfielder that gets into the box and, and shoots. That's not his style. Um, but defensively, he can, he can be very strong as well, like snapping at people, you know, winning the ball back. Uh, the times that Luque do try and play a bit higher up the pitch, it wasn't so much the case against Cerro because of, of the opponent. But when they play a bit higher up the pitch, he's good at winning the ball. Um, in that in that final third, you know, and trying to set up attacks from there. So, so Moreira is a player I liked, um, and I thought he did okay against Cerro. They, uh, Luque lost one one zero in that game, but he was up against two of two players. I'm sure we've we've talked about a lot, but Villasante and, and Lucena, who are probably the best midfield partnership in the in the league at the moment. But he held his own. He he went toe to toe with them and. And I thought he did well. And, and that's definitely a, a player to watch and a player that is the club he is at is not his ceiling. You know, he's he's going to if he doesn't jump to an Olympia Cerro Libertad in these 
in these next seasons, he's going to look for something abroad because I think he's, you know, he's definitely a step above uh, where he is at the moment. So that's that's my my one to look out for is Moreira. Well, I want to go into the team that um, I think everyone is talking about as one of the favorites and obviously winning their first two games, um, put them into that kind of discussion again. But one, two players that actually stood out to me, and I think this is a player that has been doing very well so far with Cedro. He's got over 100 games, and I was actually shocked when I heard it in the broadcast that at someone so young had so many games, and that's Enzo Jimenez. I mean, Enzo Jimenez is a player that I like him on the wing. I think he's very assertive. I like his his um his intelligence with the ball I think he's really someone that eventually should get a chance I think um obviously in in the amount of different wingers and attackers that are going on in Paraguay maybe he does get a chance under Ediso for the next national team I'm not saying that he will 100% but given his form he does looks like someone that is one for the future at least um I think he was very important in that game um, again, against all America. I also like Morales, Robert Morales, who came in as that super sub for Bocelli, who also did score actually against Lucanio in that game in the second game, his first goal in Paraguay. Um, I'd like him as that kind of super sub. I think he's someone that has already demonstrated as well in a couple games that he can be that effective super sub. And you know, when Cedro is not having those type of attackers that are not having their nights, um, you know, even. Matias Gonzalez, who, you know, is not very young for, to say, but he's been doing well so far as that new signing from Brazil. I think Morales is someone that, you know, you can give him a, a shot of a, a couple games and allow him to get more consistent because I think he's someone that definitely has that absurdness in him. So I, I pick Jimenez and Morales as the two that stood out for me. So, yeah, I, I think there are, a, I think there is talent out there. I think obviously consistency is one thing. You have mentioned off that for some of that maybe play in the lesser teams that, you know, they can get that kind of future move similar to what Ramon Sosa did when he was at River Plate going to Olympia now. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it seems as if, though, all these guys want to break out and obviously, you know, scouts are going to look at these teams, obviously, with competitions in the Libertadores and Sudamericana starting soon. That's where even more eyeballs are given. So these guys need to step it up and always get consistent when it comes to to these type of games so definitely excited to see what's up in the next few games so we'll, we'll switch gears now into talking about a competition that we had so spoken about a couple times and that is the club world cup we did see a champion as Fede said Bayern Munich winning it uh 1-0 against Tigres where you know I think guys we were a bit surprised in a way that Tigres ended up going to beat Palmeiras uh, it was actually thanks to a goal from Andre Pierginiak their main star but we're not going to talk about what Gignac did. We're not going to talk about what Benjamin Pavard did. We're not going to talk about, even with, with Palmeiras, with what's happening with Gustavo Gomez, who, you know, credit to him, he, he was decent in a side of, of, of a Palmeiras that wasn't doing well, that unfortunately had the worst performance of a South American team in the Club World Cup, losing on penalties to Al-Ali of Egypt. But we will talk about the, the player that, you know, had moved from Pumas to go to Tigres a couple weeks ago basically something like that um and that's Carlos Gonzalez the striker um from Iturbe all the way in Guaya is someone that is you know have been getting into the radar as of recently guys because of his form in Mexico but Bediso has only called him up once as manager he only called him up in his second game in charge it was against Mexico and he played 60 minutes 
and then did not get a chance at all, despite him scoring goals for Pumas. I mean, you guys have been seeing the goals that have been coming out from there. We see him, I think at one point, he's probably the most consistent goal scorer from Paraguay in the world. So you got him going there, and now he's coming into this club World Cup. He won the penalty that gave Gignac the um, the goal in against Palmeiras. I mean, he wasn't really effective, as you saw in the final against Bayern, even though it was a really tight game. But, you know, I think, and Maria, I'll go to you on this one for this um, question. You would think that with games like this, playing in the biggest games out, literally there's nothing bigger than playing in a club World Cup final, that Berizzo start has to start to think, okay, I think we need this guy on the national team for the for the club uh, for the um, World Cup qualifiers next month. Yeah, I would think that that's what uh, Berizzo is thinking right now, or as soon as he was watching the 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 last game uh, versus Bayern, because this guy, although he didn't score, like we said. Um, but he was um, very effective in the field. He uh, he was he won the penalty to give Digas uh, the advantage, and you know he was very attacking. And and that's some that's someone that we need. That's someone that the team needs right now. Um, someone with uh, strength that can go forward and, and not be scared and 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 you know uh, grab the ball everywhere and and go attack everywhere. Um, you know he was recently recognized by, by FIFA because of, of, because of his match um, uh, against Bayern. So he's definitely got the eyes of a lot of people right now. And for a guy that, for a player that just joined, you know, back in December, not too long ago, um, it's surprising and it's, and it's a good thing for, for our, our national, for, for Paraguay, because we need more players, not just, you know, we have Miguel Almiron, but I feel like he's like the only one that's doing the job out there. But, you know, someone like Charlie Gonzalez could could also be just like, you know, like uh, Almiron and, and put the put the our country out there in, internationally. But, yeah, he's definitely a, a man that Berizzo should call up. I hope that he makes that decision and, and gets some minutes um, in, uh, in, in March uh, when we play against uh, Chile. So uh, Chile is a very tough uh, opponent, and we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, I'm sure, in the upcoming episodes. Um, but yeah, I'm more excited to see this guy and to see more of this guy. Yeah, I, I like uh, Carlos Gonzalez. I like him as like, a, he's, he's a bit of a traditional number nine in that sense that uh, the Paraguay have maybe been lacking, or we, we have the players in terms of uh, Tony Sanabria or, or Angel Romero, but maybe uh, Gonzalez is, has proved to be, he's a bit more physical, he's maybe a, a bit better heading ability, and he's been playing well in, in Mexico and being consistent. <clears throat> he's, he's a player that maybe in, in Paraguay wasn't talked about as much because I don't know if if Fede will correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he played in Primera in Paraguay. He went Never. straight to, no, to Chile. Yeah, Never. he went straight to Chile very young. So similar to Taquara, actually. Taquara, if you remember, he didn't play very much in, in Primera. So he was never really, you know, kind of idolized locally like other players because people hadn't seen him seen him play much. Um, I think he's an, definitely an interesting option for Berisa. I don't know if... If we're talking now, start who's going to start the game? We're still a, a long way away. I think it, it's the kind of option you want to have in your 
in your squad for sure because he's he's a he's a you know a, a well-rounded player for that kind of number nine position which which Beriso is definitely going to play with. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what what Fede thinks on on that assessment. Yeah, I think we still need a striker, right? It's it's very good that he's actually uh, showing up like this. Like he's scoring so many goals. Uh, I love something about his game that he 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 has a lot of goals uh, uh, from from the from head goals, right? He has a lot of a lot of headers. He's very strong in that inside the pitch. So so I think he can he can make a difference in that in that sense in the game. And we don't have many strikers that are really good going going into that that head game and right now Lescano is our starting uh, forward and Lescano still up to now, you know, he, he hasn't filled up that spot, especially with the goals that, that that player needs to make. So we're actually still looking for that striker, that main striker. I just, uh, I don't see Carlos Gonzalez uh, coming in March and, and, and getting that starting role, but I do think that he can uh, be... He can, he can give a lot to the team, especially being a sub, especially if, if games are tied up and you need a player that has that can go in there and, and just push the team up there and, and, and you know, head balling. And and uh, I think he can could, could make a difference in, in that way. And then maybe after a couple of goals, then he can actually get that starting role that I think eventually someone is going to have to get, right? Because Berizzo has, has tried so many players since he's been there. Uh, I, I love to see Ana Pareiro. I, I saw it, I, I said it a, a couple of shows back. I love to see Seba Ferreira, who, who is another very good striker here from, from Libertad. We have a lot of strikers that I think can have the opportunity. I was even saying the other day, um, it's, it's such a shame that this whole COVID thing happened because there were probably going to be a lot of uh, friendly matches where those guys could have had could have had a chance, could have had those minutes that Maria was saying, and and maybe now it would be easier to make up that decision to be like, oh, you, this guy we know, he comes, he comes, he puts on the jersey, and and he still makes the goals. But we don't know about Carlos Gonzalez. He only played one match versus Mexico, and it wasn't a very good match. He barely touched the ball, and I don't know if he really fits into the style that Berizzo is trying to play either, because Berizzo is calling up. Uh, forwards that are totally different from Carlos Gonzalez. You know, he's he's going for Lescano. Lescano is not that big. He has another playing style. And, you know, the only player I can compare with Carlos Gonzalez maybe is Federico Santander. And Santander hasn't been called up lately either. So uh, he fits up with what Ralph was saying, you know, that, that, that classic nine player in in the box that, that that likes to bounce around players and and usually tries to win his his spot of being the stronger guy in there, but but Carlos Gonzalez can 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 be very useful for the national team. I, I think yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, you don't see those type of players um, at least in under Betty, so utilizing uh, target men. I mean, obviously, you know, I think that's the the crucial part where you look at someone like Gonzalez, who's someone that likes to win in the air, who is strong. He's like six feet as well. So he's a little bit tall in comparison to some other guys who are a bit shorter, but you know, I think eventually you can't deny um, the effectiveness, like eventually him making all those goals in Mexico, you know, you have to reward somehow. And obviously the reward is making it to the national team. If he starts or not, that's a whole different story. But I think eventually, I think someone like him definitely has to be an option. And, you know, it's good because, as when he said, you want all that depth that you need on the on the team for these type of games, 
And, you know, eventually, I mean, you know, no one expected Angel Romero to be the top goal scorer for Paraguay recently, but who's to say that Charlie can do it if he has his opportunity? Who's to say that he can't be someone that can score um, in those minutes that the team needs it? Like in, in, when games get tight and they need to get a goal, you get someone fresh off the bench and, you know, they can, they can do something. So it will, it will definitely be interesting to see what happens and to see if he can keep it up of his new team at Tigres. Obviously, he's starting there as well. I think he had like... The World Cup is over. He's waiting by the phone now. He's waiting by the yeah. phone now. Literally. Like, I, I played, like, literally, I played the biggest game that you could play for in your clubs, in club history. I need to get that opportunity is probably what he's saying. Like, come on, what more can I need? What do I need to do? I mean, do I have to... Do I have to lift, I don't know, all these weights or something? Like, come on, I played in the biggest game you could play for in a club. Not, but not lift weights. He needs to He needs to run more, right? Because he that, wants more too. mobile players. He has to do the opposite. But, but yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, he was, that's the game, right? He, he played at, the, at a high level, taking on Bayern Munich. So I think it's a nice... Yeah, it definitely must have put him in, you know, in the window for, for the reason. I don't know how much time we have, but talking about players, I mean, the big issue Paraguay could have and a lot of South American teams are going to have is who can actually play? You know, what, what pool of players can we pick from uh, because of COVID protocols? We have the Premier League are, are thinking that maybe they don't want to let players go, which technically isn't allowed by FIFA. You can't hold back players. But if the Premier League decides it, that's, you know, that's a very strong kind of statement. And, and they're really what they're looking at, the European clubs right now, is the mess that's happening with the Champions League and, and the Europa League. That A lot of teams can't play home games, so they're having to go to neutral venues. And they're thinking all of this is happening just before qualifiers, so I don't know if they want to, to release players. So, I mean, we, you know, it's, it could be a very difficult situation. And I think, uh, Roberto, you're mentioning off-camera like there were, there's some players that are under COVID kind of restrictions right now that are having to self-isolate. So that's, it's, it's going to be a complicated situation for, for Beris of, of who can I actually pick who's available to me. Yeah, it's, it's not the case of knowing what's best for, for my team. It's now looking at who can actually come. And, you know, that, that was kind of the deal that happened in the United States when the whole... COVID thing happened here and obviously even all across the world, like all these restrictions, it, it, it just, it, it, it hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. And I don't think it will go away as we see with games happening in the Champions League being played in neutral venues, as you said, Ralph, what will happen when these guys have to travel thousands of miles south to South America to play these games? I mean, that's the big issue, but we, we will definitely see what happens there. And, and hopefully that all of the best players, no matter where they play, are made available because those are the games that we need the best players to play in these type of games. So guys, another great show. I mean, we've talked all about this drama that's been going on, on and off the pitch, but it's, it's, it was definitely entertaining. So obviously guys, as always, you can listen to us on YouTube. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcasts. Be sure to leave a comment, a like subscribe as always follow us on Twitter. I'll do all that jazz at what any vision. So again, Thank you so much for listening. So for myself, Roberto Rojas, for Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you again for listening to another episode. See you soon.